Welcome back to the Health on 10 podcast with your host, dietitian Angie Stastny, and myself, Alex Krenitz. We start the episode by talking about cholesterol. Then we get into are all calories created equally? And then I talk about why you can't spot reduce body fat and also nutrient timing around our workouts. So how are you doing today, Angie? Very well. I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about your myths. So let's start, let's start a little bit with cholesterol. So cholesterol is commonly known as bad and it started in the 1960s and we've, we've, we kind of stay with that notion that eating cholesterol, dietary cholesterol causes high cholesterol and that in turn causes a lot of plaque buildup in the arteries and then leads to stroke and heart attack. But now we know that dietary cholesterol doesn't actually cause high cholesterol. And actually some of the things that people tout as being heart healthy, like shrimp, are, are high in cholesterol. So we've been villainizing eggs, the poor egg, which is like <laughs> one of the most perfect foods on the planet, unless you're allergic to it. Nature's multivitamin, that's what I call it. Yeah, I mean, it's got everything in it you need, and that's why it's, if you think about that it's going to have what's in it to create a life, right, if it gets fertilized, then it makes sense that it would have everything that a living organism needs for the most part. So... Um, and the, what I found out, what I find to be very interesting and one of the biggest misconceptions is that all the protein is in the white. When in actuality, there's a good portion of it that is actually in the yolk. There is a little bit more in the white, but yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, when you take away the yolk, you're getting rid of, you're stripping it of all the nutrients. Yeah. Basically, all an egg white is is water and protein. But it, again, there's still a lot of protein in that yolk. But doctors have said for years, stay away from the yolk, causes a lot of cholesterol, causes high cholesterol. And I, I think before we move forward, let's talk about people say good and bad cholesterol, which I don't know if I really like because I don't think it's good or bad, but there's high density lipoprotein cholesterol and then low density. So high density HDL cholesterol goes in and it gets rid of a lot of the plaque buildup in the arteries while low density can actually cause the plaque buildup if it's combined with uh, high sugar, uh, high glucose rich diet, right? Yeah. So I think that blaming cholesterol is like blaming the asphalt for the pothole. You know, the, the actual damage to the vessels comes from wear and tear. And to your point, when you have what you were talking about, advanced glycated end products is what they call them. Yeah. Um, and, and so if you eat foods that are highly processed and certain types of cooking also, uh, like uh, grilling and things like that, uh, the meats are going to tend to have more uh, glycated end products in them. Because of the carcinogens from the smoke? It's, no, it has something to do with the browning effect. It actually increases the oh, amount like in the, the meat. the Maillard reaction? Yes, the Maillard reaction. So it's like if you stew something, then it's going to be reduced. And if you marinate your meat, 
in any kind of vinegar or like lemon, then that's going to negate any kind of uh, increase that you might experience without it. So simple things you can reduce, but where you're really going to see a lot of um, the glycation is like highly processed yeah. sugars. Right. So it's the combination of foods that you're eating that cause a lot of inflammation and has been highly correlated with type 2 diabetes and with cardiovascular disease. Yeah, so it's not really, it's not the fat and the cholesterol in the food that's creating a lot of plaque buildup. It's more of the sugar in the highly processed foods because when they combined with that LDL cholesterol, this thing happens called glycation. And this leads to oxidation, which actually leaves behind a lot of plaque buildup in the arteries. And then we have to create more LDL cholesterol. And then there's more plaque buildup. So it's not necessarily the steak you're eating. It's, it's really, or the beef you're eating. It's a lot of things you're eating with it. Yes. So if you eat a beautiful uh, salad and, you know, some quinoa or something like that, mm -hmm. it's going to be completely different than you going to McDonald's and having a hamburger or a quarter pounder with French fries. And, you know, a lot of times those fries, that's kind of a good um, example of where glycation can happen. Mm. Is yeah. They do funny things to the outside of the fry, too, to give it that crisp. Well, it's a lot of those. So there's like, there's yeah. like sugar substances that they use, yeah. and they also raise certain types of potatoes that you know may or may not be ideal, but it makes the perfect French fry. So there's a lot of different things to think about, and again, I think one thing that we keep coming back to on almost every podcast is the quality of your meal. Right. You know, is is so important. Yeah, and not, not only that, but as, as far as cholesterol goes, it's actually essential. It's so important for a lot of processes in the body, one of them being converting sunlight to vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Our skin uses cholesterol to convert the sunlight to vitamin D, which we know vitamin D is a, it's basically a hormone. It shouldn't even be called a vitamin because of its importance in the body. And it's also essential for, cholesterol is also important for uh, hormone production, like yes. testosterone. So yes. it's like, we're, it's so demonized and we're, we're now seeing people cut back so hard on these things we're talking about, like shrimp, eggs, beef that are higher in cholesterol. And that's, that's actually, that's not, that, that's not the answer. In fact, what, what I see in the bodybuilding industry is people want high cholesterol because of its, its, uh, its importance for building muscle but and its transportation. The bodybuilders, to me, are always going for these really lean types of things that don't have yeah. cholesterol in it, and I don't understand that. Not that you need the dietary cholesterol, but you know some of these higher-fat meats, as we've talked about before, mm -hmm. are beneficial yeah. for building muscle. Right. We talked about glycine and creatine and things like that. But so that's where I don't understand, and I'm kind of struggling with the whole ideology within that bodybuilding world. Yeah, so as far as, like, when you're starting to cut down, then I think you see a lot less of those fattier meats. During, okay. like, a bulk, during an off-season, they like to call it, you'll see an influx in, like, things like eggs and fatty beef. 
but those last like two months to yeah six weeks two months you'll see like chicken breast and just an awful in my opinion diet because i mean it's it's a sport it's it's for it's to look a certain way okay like it's certainly not like those guys are on the brink of death really when they're up there oh yeah you're sitting at five percent body fat like they're Mm -hmm. they're close to death you can't survive a male most males i mean you you can't live like that there's actually a bodybuilder that just passed away yes uh mick he was like what 45 years old yeah but those guys i mean most bodybuilders are on some sort of performance enhancer i mean it just and, and you know irresponsible with steroids and things like that and they did say that in one of the articles that I read that they felt like that was part of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be to be successful in that sport, you need to be enhanced, unfortunately. But yeah. Okay, so that's let's face it, that is just not good for you. And for any all of us out there that are trying to build muscle, yeah. Now I'm dying to hear about what you have to say about you know getting rid of my tummy and the spot training and. You know, so I'm new into this whole weightlifting thing, and I'm pretty excited about it, I have to say. Strength training, whatever you want to call it. And I got this special scale that, like, measures your muscle and your fat percentage. And I think it's pretty cool. Tells me my water. Are you, is, you know, do, you see an, do you see it going and up it, and down? Yeah, yeah. It's starting, no, it's starting to go, you know, like. Down. It's, I'm losing fat. I did lose a little muscle. Yeah. I, is that going to happen no matter what? That's yeah, I mean, I, those scales are... Uh, I know you said you don't like them, but I think this one's pretty good. Yeah. I don't think it's that bad because it's pretty consistent. It do, it, Like I know you were saying some of them vary a lot. This one does not vary. Like it's been pretty stable. Yeah. Will you see a loss in muscle? Uh, right now, you, I don't, uh, you shouldn't. Okay. Right now, because you just started and your body's adapting, you should see an increase in muscle. But if I'm not eating enough protein or something, then maybe I would, right? Like if you're not eating properly, you could yeah, I mean, lose about, muscle with your fat. Right. Essentially, yeah. If you're just not eating enough and you're, and you're working out a lot, you'll, you'll lose both. And yeah. so your body fat percentage will stay the same. You see that a lot in people. I, I've seen that a lot in clients where – they're trying to lose a bunch of weight, but they're just doing too much. They're in such a deficit and they lose weight and they lose body fat, but they also lose muscle. So their body fat stays the same. They come back a month later, like my two, three months later, my body fat's the same. Like, but they've lost 20 pounds. And that's just, not good. You don't want to lose that muscle. I mean, now they might be if, in a worse situation. If your goal's aesthetics and to look good, that's certainly not good because you're just a smaller version of yourself. Yeah. You haven't increased any, you, you're not, you don't look better. You just look smaller, which some people are okay with, but I don't think most people want that, especially putting in all that, that work. Yeah. But another question I get is how do I get rid of this spot? How do I get rid of a certain area in my uh-huh. tummy? And the one area I find in women a lot, especially around the middle age, is the tricep. Uh, I think they like to call it the chicken wing. You know what I'm talking about? That fat right there. Sure. Women just tend to have a little bit. They tend to carry a little bit more fat there. And they want to know how to get rid of that. They're like, oh, can we work my triceps to get rid of that? Or another one is I see these. You ever seen these waist trainers before? No. It's called a waist trainer. And it's it's kind of – it it had its moment in, like, 
the bodybuilding sphere for like a couple minutes where it's like you put it around your waist and like you sw- it, you sweat around your waist and it's like basically you lose a little bit of sweat water weight around your waist but it has nothing to do with body fat it is the biggest scam i've ever seen and if i see someone wearing it i'm just i feel bad for him because i feel like, like that's been around since i'm the 50s, sure you know sure like in some form yeah. yeah right but it's it's goofy because you cannot spot reduce unfortunately i wish you could i wish you could be like oh i want to get rid of these love handles you have to just lose weight and that comes with essentially burning more calories than you're taking in you can't and then like for me i tend to lose weight first in my stomach like my abs will show and i'll still be a little bit higher in body fat but i still have a little bit of body fat in my chest or in the back like the love handles that's just where i tend to lose it last and some people it's the legs some people it's that tricep so you can't necessarily work a certain you cannot work a certain part of the body and think you're going to lose that body fat there. It just doesn't work like that. In fact, what I'll see is if somebody's like, I want to lose, I want to lose the belly fat here. I want, you know, then they'll do a million crunches and then it'll just extend their stomach even more because <laughs> they've added muscle. That's and something that I used to do back in the day. Yeah, you know, like right. We all did it. We all thought we could do <laughs> crunches and get a, like, it's all about your diet. It's all about, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard this. I'm sure you've heard abs are made in the kitchen. Like you create them at the gym with, with building them. And then like they're revealed in the kitchen. You have to be strict with your diet and in a caloric deficit to lose weight, you know? So it, yeah, unfortunately, if you want to get rid of that tricep wing, we got to lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then it'll come off, you know, doing a million tricep extensions is, it'll give you a nice tricep. It'd be strong there, but you know, so muscle is more metabolically active and right. the more you build it, yeah. the more that you will hopefully burn fat, correct? Yeah. And then, you know, because you're going to create a deficit and you're wanting, you know, maybe to bump up your protein intake. Yeah. A good, a good thing to do. Well, so with every pound of muscle you gain, you burn an extra roughly 40 calories. So say if you're new to the gym. It's not uncommon for me to, for you to add 10 pounds of muscle in a year. Now you will not continue that as you start to lift. Otherwise we'd all be massive, right? I've been lifting for 10 years. I should be huge at this point. If I'm putting on 10 pounds a year, it'll slowly start to come down. Like each year you'll be less and less and less until you're at your genetic max. But that first year you can add 10 pounds fairly easily. And that's an extra 400 calories a day you're burning just to be alive. And that's, that's quite a bit. So what, what is a pound of, of, uh, fat, like 3,500 calories. You burn a pound of fat. One pound is 3,500 calories. Yeah. Whatever you're burning, you know, you can burn muscle too. And right. But yeah, 3,500 calories to a, a pound. So, or you could just be able to eat 400 more calories. If you like to eat, you know, if that, that's well, pretty fun. That's pretty awesome, too. Well, and all the latest research is saying that muscle mass is the number one predictor of longevity Yeah, is muscle mass. So that instead strength. of worrying, and I, I saw a study recently, it didn't even matter. And this was in an older population, 60 and older. 
but it was um, muscle mass needed to be higher and it didn't, that was irregardless of fat composition. So you could okay. still have a f higher fat composition, but this was only in an older population. Yeah. Which makes sense to me because I feel like when you're older, you do need that reserve if you would get ill. Um, you know, there's a lot of studies throughout time that have shown that people with a little bit more reserve in the fat department as they get older, it does protect them. How much for crisis? I think that needs to be. Yeah, I'm not said right. I'm not saying that. I don't think that you need to be getting down into these really lean, you know, yeah. body weights. Like, what would you consider lean? Eight percent. Oh, I think I think that would be like extreme. Ten percent is pretty lean. Yeah. Anything under ten, if you have a good amount of muscle, you're gonna be for a man. Diced for a man. What yes. about a woman? A woman. I wouldn't want to see a woman really under 15%. Yeah. That's a lean And, like, woman. healthy is, like, 25, right? Like Yeah, yeah. So anywhere from, like, 20s to below, and then 20 to, like, 8 for a male is pretty healthy. You start getting below 8. Some men can be fine. Genet you know, they can be okay. That's just genetics. And then you start to see a little bit of hormonal issues for right. men. Um, testosterone goes down, yes. you know, things like that. Women getting below that like really like 12 11 percent you'll see uh they'll miss their periods things like that uh hormone dysregulation low appetite yeah it's just yeah and then, that's right. not right so and you have to listen to your body mm -hmm. like you said some people are more their body is designed maybe to be able to tolerate you know that lower body fat yeah and i really think that comes from genetic lines yeah like you know too. we're kind of pre-programmed based on what our ancestors had to endure. And, you know, you might have a mixed bag as far as that goes. Maybe you're not a full purebred, yeah. you know, Polish or Irish or whatever you want to say. Um, but, you know, I, I think that you have to, I always ask people, like, what was, what was the weight that you felt your best at? And they can pinpoint it. They'll mm -hmm. be like, I remember this. I was... 22 and I weighed 185 and sure enough like if you get them back close to that they they're like I feel amazing so yeah. I, I think you 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 do know internally like what's right for you and I, for me personally like I've I've gotten at areas where I'm real lean and then I've gotten also where I'm a little on the heavier side just from just from trying to like experiment and like strength and build muscle things like that and when I get too lean, certainly I love the look, but my strength goes down, mm -hmm. my, you know, everything, my drive goes down. Not good. No. You're, so, you're, it's just not right for you. And then if you're, if you're trying to bulk, you're sluggish. So, yeah, right, right. You, you'll find that sweet spot for yourself. Yeah. I think that's a good place to, to, to stick. And I think your body likes to stay there it, it like it wants to find that homeostatic place i i 100 percent agree with you and i think that a lot of influences marketing and you know different things in society really pull us away from that internal um you know cueing so yeah. to speak where we're we're putting more weight on what someone else thinks we should be versus what we know we should be yeah it's like you know getting back in touch with your biology right well and there's different 
body types too because like what we were, what you were saying earlier looking back at our ancestors some people can handle a really low body fat percentage and be totally fine they're not going to see any of that hormone disruption uh things like appetite will be fine there's different body types so endomorph would be have you heard about these body types there's i would love to hear about it because i yeah i i don't know that much about it at all there's essentially three different types of body types and i think everybody's i don't think anybody's a certain one i think we all kind of have traits of, of of each of them i guess um there's endomorph which would be like they're just big they you know they tend to be bigger now this doesn't mean you need to be obese but they're just kind of and i they they tend to build muscle fast and they tend to put on body fat fast okay like they just big big people uh, they can lose weight pretty fast as well but yeah easy to build muscle easy to gain fat that's going to be your bigger kind of human being then there's a mesomorph this is kind of like your spartan like perfect i hate to say that but like you know ideally what we look at is oh my god they want to look like that somebody who can doesn't put on a lot of body fat can build muscle fast can lean out fast and keep that muscle and just stay in that range. And then there's an endomorph. Uh, they tend to be lean, lanky, hard to build muscle, mm -hmm. hard to put on body fat, but they'll stay lean. And those are the three body types we were taught in, in school. Uh, and I think we all, I don't, I think we all kind of have a little, I think we're kind of in the middle of I don't of have the lean two. and lanky thing going. I'm not in Me that neither. category. I am not either. <laughs> I'm never, you know, I just... <laughs> I, and I know what you're talking about, and I, you see it in families, right? Like you see body frames and the way things look on people. Mm -hmm. You know, when they gain weight, how does it, you know, some people it, it goes in certain areas of their body. Right. And it, so it's really interesting to me. It's just um, getting down to what's real for your own genetics. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to hear more research come out about that. Yeah. But now, that being said, if we're talking about calorie in, calorie out, and creating calorie deficits. Yes. And you and I have been going back and forth about this because you're kind of like, I don't know what you're thinking. I'm not going to say what you're thinking, but I'm going to tell you what I think. And I'm very adamant about it. And so there's a lot of new research out on... Um, one study was out of Harvard, Dr. Ludwig, and he, this is a good study because it's a controlled feeding study, which means he locked you up in a room or whatever, or they controlled your food, okay? <laughs> you only ate what they gave you, so it was all measured, and everybody got, you know, the same amount of, um, so one group got high carb, low fat, the other group got low fat, high carb, and what they found is that the group that ate high fat, their metabolism was increased by up to mm. 300 calories. So they were burning 300 more calories. A yes. Day. Interesting. Their resting, you know, metabolic rate actually mm. increased during that time. So then they took and they did a, what they call a crossover trial and they had these people do one diet for half of it 
and another diet for the second half. So that's good, right? Because you have the same people. Yeah. You're studying the same people and reacting to different things, which I think is important. And again, the group that when they ate the higher fat diet, they did, they, their resting metabolic rate increased. They all were controlled for glycemic index. So that means they were, even though they were eating carbs, they weren't necessarily, you know, really sugary carbs or anything like that, which I also found to be interesting on the study. Do you know what, what was carbohydrate? What were they eating exactly? I don't know exactly. Oh. It just talked it just about the content it yeah. and it talked about the glycemic index. Yeah. And the fats were not like, you know, some of these studies they do really, like they'll give them Crisco and I'm not kidding you. I read a study where they fed them Crisco it's trans fats, and then they're like, oh, well the ketogenic diet's bad. Well, you fed the person yeah. something really toxic. So <laughs> yeah. I doubt that your study is really going to be right. that. So when the point is they were controlled for calories, but it did change the way their metabolism performed. I'm assuming, and, and so they did measure a lot of indicators, like their cholesterol levels, their, some of their um, inflammatory markers, and those actually did improve in the group that had the higher fat diet. That. So isn't that cool? Yeah, and that, that actually makes me happy. Yeah. Because I eat a lot more fat than I do carbohydrates. Yes. But yeah, that's fascinating. Why, do you have an explanation for that? I just think that, okay, so here's part of my explanation. Because of what we talked about on our last episode, when we were talking about obesogens and chemicals, we are, we're swimming in chemicals and it does create inflammation and it creates a type of fat cell that's very inflammatory. And so I think that that promotes insulin resistance. And so I think mm. worldwide, Insulin resistance is on the rise. I mean, that's a documented fact. Yeah, I, I, yeah, can't so argue with that. So we need to switch because of that, because our, our environment is different and we're fighting against all new elements that weren't there 50 years ago. We, we, may, we may have different needs. So that's kind of what I believe is influencing the difference. And something that, like, that I, would, I would question about the study, what kind of activity were they doing? Is this, this going to be a great higher-fat diet for just a sedentary American? Right. Like, or if, is this somebody who like, does work out three to five times a week, and maybe they need those extra carbohydrates? Yeah, and that's what I struggle with a lot because I love listening to you – and, you know, some of your coworkers talk about, like, what they see with people and, like, what pe different people need. Because you're looking at it through a totally different lens than I am. I'm working with people with medical problems, gut problems. You know, oh, so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm switching up sometimes the content of their diet. Um, but you, you're looking at people that are pretty much consistently working out. I'm not always working with people like that. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. Probably most right. people aren't working out, are they? Well, I get a, I get the excessive worker outers that go yeah. too far, in my opinion. Yeah. And and that that's creating problems for them. Mm -hmm. And they're having the same problems. They can't lose weight either. Oh, 
it's because they're doing too much yeah oh yeah so there's you know i know we'll we'll go on to that another one but But yeah yeah, so i just want to hear what you have to say about you know what your thoughts are on this whole calorie thing well as far as like a calorie is a calorie you know it's interesting there was a youtuber i used to listen to years ago and i really really liked him when i was going to school his name's greg Doucette, bodybuilder and he talks about a calorie is a calorie like you know, eat your artificial sweeteners, eat these, eat that. Like, you know, as long as you stay in your macros, you will be fine. And maybe for bodybuilding, that will work. But me experimenting with my diet and like actually the way, what I look the best at is, is, is di- totally different from that. So I don't necessarily think a calorie is a calorie because like a t- 20 calories of broccoli it's going to be different than 20 calories of, of a candy bar. Yeah. Like all those nutrients you're going to get. I mean, think about the way it goes into your body, what it does in your body. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it boatloads different. But also, I think where me and you kind of, I don't want to say butt heads, because you've, you've kind of made me switch a little bit, is, is the calories in, calories out. Because yeah. Because I've been so, the law of thermodynamics, I've been so, it's engraved in my head from school. Yeah. From, from learning is the calories in, the calories out. Like, you need to be in a caloric deficit, this and that. And you do need to be in a caloric deficit. Yeah. But there, with you and your clients, there is a multitude of other issues that yes. need to be addressed as well. Like, there's a lot going on in their body, and you need to, you know, in my realm, you need to understand how that is affecting, you know, the flow of their biology. And um, I, I you know, was raised under the same mentality as you as far as in a professional arena, right? Like when I started in this, it was all about calories. And and so these last few years kind of moving away from that, it's been a blast yeah. to like work with people. And now you have people that are, are so mentally screwed up. I'm going to be really blunt. <laughs> Their relationship with food is so toxic. They are so confused. So, you know, sometimes using that non-calorie strategy um, can really be like, it it sets them free. And they're actually more willing to look at what's really good for them because they're not worrying about. Yeah. And I'm sure you see that too, where you have people and you kind of told me, you know, maybe you're going to just start out with vegetables, you know. Start slow. Yeah, yeah and you're not really necessarily going, you know, hardcore on everything that they eat right away. I don't like tracking. Yeah. I think that's – I think if a trainer tells you to go – that, I think if your trainer is having you track, unless you're doing a bodybuilding show, I don't think it's a good idea because I think it creates a bad relationship with, with food. Yeah. And – yeah, it's something you can't do forever. I do use it as a tool, maybe once every year or two years, just to see where I'm at. Because I think it's, I, I enjoy doing it. I'm like, oh, okay, for two weeks I'll do it. Like, oh, I just, I just want to see where I'm at, just to kind of, I think it's a good idea because you can understand what, how much energy you're getting from certain things. But that's it. Then it's cut off. If you have to track every single day and you're like, well, I only have 200 calories left, I can have a quarter of this whatever piece of pie 
and then I can have th- that. That's ridiculous. That's it's it's goofy. Yeah. But what about protein? Because I feel like most people really don't if they don't measure it and they don't pay attention yeah. a little bit, they probably aren't eating enough. protein. So protein, I would over recommend. Under, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Ro- protein is one of the, is the one thing, especially since you're exercising, I would recommend. And it's interesting is because a lot of people will say uh, or, like the daily recommended value for protein it's or allowance. It's super low. And that's just enough to keep you alive. Like you're it's not, really true. I kind of was diving into that, and I was kind yeah. of shocked. You're not optimizing your, your recovery and your overall longevity by eating the recommended daily allowance. And we all get it. Like, you don't not get it in America. Like, even highly processed foods, you're going to get enough protein to meet the RDA, recommended daily allowance. But when we're looking at building muscle, say you're 120. 50 pound woman uh, I'd want you to be around 100 to 115 grams of protein and sometimes even more because if, if your goal is also fat loss it's a very satiating macronutrient mm-hmm. very it's very seldom that you're going to get to that 115 grams or say I want you at 140 that you're going to eat 140 grams of protein and you're going to overindulge on a lot of highly processed foods it's really hard to do gonna yeah. be full. you're going to be full and I agree. When you're getting 150 grams of protein, you're just immediately like a lot of those highly processed carbohydrates out the window because like, you're just not eating them. You know, you're, you're getting your calories elsewhere. Yeah. And I usually tell people that have nighttime cravings, if you're still craving carbs, go eat a protein, you know, some kind of protein and maybe some fat and it'll knock it out. You yeah. got to reprogram your body away from that signaling that you want you know, sugar at night. Yes. And it, it works pretty well. Yeah. It, yes. And you know what I tell my clients if they're having nighttime cravings? Have, okay, there's a couple things I'll say go, you can have. Carrots, um, cucumber pickles, olives. And they're like, oh, I don't want those. Well, then you're not really hungry and it's a craving and we, you have to learn to. Like, oh, I it, like that. You're like, dis- oh. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want that, then you're not hungry. Yeah. And it's a craving. And. Just like anything else, say you want to drink alcohol, say you want to whatever the craving is you have that causes that dopamine release in the brain, it's, it's a discipline thing and you have to work at it. Yeah. I get it. You're having cravings. It's a part of life. It's a discipline you have to, to work at. And I know it's like me being tough love. It's like not everybody works like that. But if you're actually hungry, then you'll eat those carrots. Yeah. You'll eat those yeah. You know, you'll eat those things. But if you do what you're recommending and what I'm recommending, your body will start to realize, oh, I don't need to have chips and salt and like, oh, I, I feel pretty good. And it will change and you can overcome those cravings. They, they, but you have to retrain your mm-hmm. body for different signaling. And that's yeah. what it really comes down to. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. It takes the discipline of changing the diet to like what we're saying is increasing the protein and then pushing through those cravings because they subside you Mm -hmm. don't live with those forever you just have to you just have to learn how to push through the craving and not eat that thing that you want and not give in because it it, after a week two weeks of you pushing through they're gone i promise i've done this a million times you know i've gone back and forth where i've changed diets and you get cravings and it goes away but as far as 
as far as like nutrient timing, I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of discussion in the fitness world of, you know, you work out, when should I be having my protein shake? When should I be eating my protein? That's where I'm at right now, Alex. I'm like all doing this weightlifting and I'm like, oh, do I need to have 20 grams of protein after my, do, do I need a carb with it or am I supposed to just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> this was huge even when I started lifting probably 10 years ago in high school. They would say, you know, the sup- I, I believe this was due to the supplement companies trying to sell more protein to people like us who were ignorant at the time and had no idea. Like you have to get, there's a, there's a, there's a protein window. You have to get it within this time of after you work out. Otherwise you won't build muscle. And we know that that is bullshit. That's not true. You, you, there's muscle protein synthesis is what happens when you lift weights. It, it's, it inc- so it's basically the muscle building mechanism in the body and muscle protein synthesis goes from about the time you lift for about 24 to 48 hours, depending on how trained you are. If you're someone who just started working out, you're probably going to have increased muscle protein synthesis for 48 hours. If you're somebody who's been doing it for a while, 24, and then it decreases muscle protein synthesis. What I would say, don't worry about having your protein shake ready to go after your workout unless you enjoy doing that but it's not necessary because it's not convenient for a lot of people within the two to three hours you're totally fine eat a meal eat right a meal. eat, a, eat meal. a meal yeah have some carbohydrates have, you don't even need to have carbohydrates that's another thing i can touch on too but yeah getting good fat and protein replenishing um and recovering those muscles now if you fast before you work out, then I think it's a little bit more important to get your protein in a little bit sooner. Okay. If you're not fasted, you're still having those amino acids in your stomach that are just being slowly released. Say you had eggs or chicken breast two, three hours before. You don't just digest that immediately. Like amino acids are constantly being released into the bloodstream. So you're still getting that. But if you had fasted for 10 to 12 hours before, yeah, maybe try to have some protein in there within that hour, hour and a half. But if you don't, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to not gain muscle. You know, it's love it. Yeah, it's not. I think that there's so much, you know, confusion on that. And I think it's neat to hear it from someone who has really done it and lived it, you know, versus, you know, just reading something out of a textbook. I mean, We're just not textbooks, you know, and so right. I think it probably is different, too, depending on, you know, your age, maybe, you think? May, yeah, it could be. Well, the older you get, from my understanding, the less, You're not utilizing the less protein you absorb. Yeah. So, yeah, probably with, with age, you know, I would just try to get more protein as you get older anyways. I usually just tell people, make, choose sources that are bioavailable. Yeah. You know, things that you have to break down and that take a lot of stomach acid. You know, sometimes as you get older, your stomach acid is not correct, and then mm-hmm. it's not as strong and, and uh, efficient, and so it's hard to derive nutrients out of your foods. Right. But, you know, that's where, like, uh, stewing 
and you know crock pot type things yeah. can be really good to bring out um, the full profile of nutrients without a lot of uh, input from your stomach. So what other like things like milk? Yeah, <laughs> you know. and like smoothies. Kefir, yeah. You know, I think like the protein powders, a, ni- a nice, you know, decent protein powder. Good whey protein powder. Right, whey protein. If your gut I'm, can handle it. Yeah. Is going to be a, a great source of protein. Yeah, and I that, agree. That's kind of. Do you recommend protein powders to people? Yeah. Do you have a certain brand you like? I don't know. I like Orgain. Orgain. Okay. Is that a jewel brand that you can find? You can I pretty much find it, it everywhere, but I, I just. I don't like it when they supplement it with vitamins. Yeah. So I usually. Fortified or whatever. Yeah, I don't like the fortification because they use really junky. Yeah, garbage. You know, they're not going to use high quality. No. Supplements or, you know, vitamins. So, um, yeah, so I try to look for things. It's kind of hard to find because you see a lot that have sugar alcohols and those can be really disruptive to the, the gut, the gut microbiome and just your digestion in general. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've, you know, I bought protein powders, but it's, I rarely, rarely ever buy protein. I maybe brought like a couple tubs in my life. I just, I eat it, my protein, but a lot of people can't. And I find women have a harder time eating high amounts of protein. So that's, a supplement's great for that. that that's why, yeah, I, I see that a lot with women, and they come to me, and they're trying to do all this, and they will say that. And I think bone broth could be a good one. Yeah, and there's even bone broth powders yes. that they have now. That you can add to water and right. just, yeah. You could add it to anything. Like, yep. it's not very flavorful, I don't think. You could add it to stews. You could add it to smoothies. I just don't think that's as good for you as like the real. The thing. real. Th- oh, I'm no, just kind of questioning it, it. I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but any powder form, I just, <clears throat> it's hard for me to believe that it's it's gonna yeah. be as good. Like you see these, like greens powders, and I I've never bought those because I'm sure they're fine, and I'm sure that you can get some nutrients derived from them, but uh, I don't know. I think kefir's a good one. Kefir's great, yeah. You know, if you can find one that doesn't have a lot of additives in it uh, or make your own. But, yeah, for women, it's going to be a little bit different, I think. Yeah. Did you ever Did you ever get that milk? No, I need to go there. If you listen to our last episode, we were talking all about dairy. I'm excited to try that. Yeah. To get that. Yeah. That's a gr- yeah, whole milk would be, which nobody, most people aren't going to drink that. Yeah. But that would be a phenomenal source of, of highly available protein. Mm-hmm. All right, to wrap things up here, guys, here's some of the take-home messages from these myths. I know there's a lot. One of them being, don't worry so much about your dietary cholesterol. Worry about the things you're eating with it. Worry about the highly processed sugars. Those are the things that are actually going to move the needle when it comes to HDL and LDL cholesterol. Okay, and then when it comes to calories... I really feel like you need to look at the quality of your diet and kind of for a lot of people, it's not going to really be about necessarily counting calories, but just making sure that each meal is balanced and that you're getting in, you know, good quality fats, protein, and uh, low glycemic carbs. Also, don't worry. Try not try to stop spot reducing because you can't. There's no such thing as spot reducing. Try to lose body fat as a whole and just improve body composition with muscle growth and 
reducing body fat. And if you're somebody who's working out and is unable to get their protein shake or their meal in immediately after the workout, don't stress. Muscle protein synthesis lasts a while. Just have a good meal when you can, and you'll build just as much muscle. So that's going to be another episode of the Health on 10 podcast. Thank you for listening. Keep your health on 10.